Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you. Good to uh, worship God and uh, praising God together with you on this last service of 2022. And I hope and pray that you had a wonderful Christmas time from last week to now. Uh, it was a nice, uh, relaxing break for me as well. And as you notice, we have the kids with us today. We have the children with us today as we go through uh, the Subikis summer schedule. And one of the things uh, that this has provided for us is the opportunity for the children to worship God together with us as a family, isn't it? Um, one of the things I always remember, uh, this comment made by a friend of mine in Bible college uh, when talking about children in churches. Um, so he uh, said something like, you know, we often refer to our children as, you know, the future of the church. And then he said, no, no, they're not the future of the church. They are the church. That is, they are part of our body of Christ here. And one of the things that we mustn't do is to think of them, you know, as a separate group of people elsewhere. They are part of the body of Christ. And so when we have this summer schedule together, it is a great opportunity for families to come together, to worship God together, to listen to the sermon together. And that might mean maybe it will get a little bit noisy. That's okay. You know, let's be patient. Let's be gracious to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, of course, if it is getting a bit too noisy, there's always a cafe that you can bring your child to. We do have a video feed of the service there. I'm also a parent, so I understand. And also, kids, this sermon time, this is also for you. So sometimes, you know, you switch off when, you know, someone comes up here to preach, but this is also for you. It's not just for the adults, not just for mom and dad. And to help you follow the sermon, we have prepared a sermon outline. Look something like this on your seat so you can pick it up and fill out the um, blanks if you, as you listen to the sermon throughout um, the time. And if you have questions, feel free to ask mom and dad after the service. They are more than happy to talk with you about that. And parents, also let me encourage you, you know, talk to your children about what they learn as to be kids. Ask them questions. Ask them about what are some of the things they learn about Jesus during that time. So for these two weeks, one of the things I want to encourage families to do is come, sing praises to God together, and listen to the sermon together as a family. It's always a blessing to be able to do that as a church family. So let me encourage you to do that. I know it can be hard, but it is worth it. Make the effort to do so. Now before I pray and go into the sermon, there is a sad announcement that I have to make. Um, John Godfrey, who has been a long-time member of the church, sadly he passed away and went to be with the Lord on Wednesday evening. Um, many of you have known John for many years, and he has always been a joyful presence in our midst, and now he is joyfully in the presence of the Lord. And one of the encouraging things about John every time I meet with him is that he always pointing us to God, pointing always, pointing always to God and His goodness, no matter what's going on in his life. So we are sad and grieved that we have lost our brothers in Christ, but we can rest assured and confident knowing that He is with the Lord right now. So in a moment, I am going to pray. I'm going to invite all of you to pray with me, adults and kids together. Pray for John Godfrey, pray for his family, pray for God's comfort, pray that they will come to know Christ during this time as well, and pray that God will work in our hearts as we hear from His Word. So let me pray. And just in your own seat, just pray for a minute or two, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, and we grieve 
that we have lost our brother in Christ. But we also rejoice that John is now with you and with the Lord. That he no longer has to suffer. But he is now in the presence of the Lord that he has so faithfully served and worshipped all these years. We do pray for his family. We do pray that during this time that they will know the comfort of the Spirit. That they will know the hope that is in Christ. They will know the God who has loved them. The God that John has so faithfully followed all these years. So we do ask and pray for your comfort on that family. And we also pray for ourselves as we hear from your word this evening. As we hear from your word as a family, as a church family, may your spirit work in our hearts to transform us to be more like Jesus, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Let me start with this question. Again, follow along with the sermon outline if you like. What kind of testimony do you have? Now, in case you don't know what a testimony is, a testimony is the story of how you came to believe and follow Jesus. Do you have an exciting story to tell about how you come to know Jesus? Well, let me tell you the story of a little girl who came to know Christ uh, who came to know Jesus, and her story is actually quite exciting. So this is what she looks like today. For many adults, they will know her as the napalm girl. Now, she was a South Vietnamese girl that became famous because of a photo that was taken of her when she was nine years old. Um, I decided not to show that photo because it is a quite a graphic photo because in that photo, she was running away from a bomb, and she, was, she has... Um, third-degree burns all throughout her body, and that photo became world-famous during that time. Now, she and a few villagers, they were running away from their village. A plane came and dropped a bomb on them. So she and her two cousins, uh, her two cousins were killed. She received third-degree burns throughout her body. And then this is what she said about that experience later on. She said, these bombs have brought me immeasurable pain. Even now, some 40 years later, I'm still receiving treatment for burns that cover my arms, back, and neck. The emotional and spiritual pain was even harder to endure. Yet looking back at the past five decades, I realized that those same bombs that brought so much suffering also brought great healing. Those bombs led me to Christ. Wow, that's a powerful story, isn't it? That's a powerful line. Those bombs led me to Christ. Now, sometimes we read things like that and we say, wow, I wish my testimony was that exciting. I wish I could tell people this line, those bombs led me to Christ, isn't it? But my testimony is not that exciting. In fact, when I think about it, it's a bit boring, isn't it? And for many of us, for many of you, your testimony sounds a bit like this. I was born in a Christian family, Went to church every week because mom and dad brought me there. I'd grown up with God. That's where I know about God. And that's it. Well, not, not exciting at all, is it? It's not a Hollywood story. Ever thought about your testimony that way before? It's not. I don't have an exciting testimony to tell. Well, that's not a bad thing. In fact, it is a good thing. Because it shows that you have most likely come from a very blessed home. 
A home that loves God, a home that has displayed, modeled, and taught you that love of God. And today we are looking at one passage from the Old Testament that talks about what it means to follow and obey God together as a family and as a community. And that passage is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And that's printed in your sermon outline. Now the whole book of Deuteronomy, in some sense, it's Moses' sermon to the people of, the Israel, of Israel before they entered into the promised land. And remember, Moses, he sinned, and now he's not entered into the land himself. And so he's now preaching, giving this sermon to the people of Israel before they leave. And this is, in some sense, it, this is his last words to them. So these are important words to the people of Israel. So we are going to listen to what he has to say to the Israelites. And I'm going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, I'm not going to, the words are not going to be on the screen. It is on your handouts, on the outline. So just uh, have a look there on the back. So follow along with me as I read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me invite you to stand as I read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 12. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in a land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you wake up. When you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of it, on your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may be seated. So there are three points from this passage, as always. First point is this, so again, if you follow along in your sermon outlines, is this, we obey God because He brings us blessings. This is from verses 1 to 3. Verses 1 to 3, we obey God because He brings us blessings. So God asked Moses to teach the Israelites to obey, follow all His commands, decrees, and laws. This is so that they, their children, and their children's children will come to know and fear God, and so that they may enjoy long life. Verse 3, He repeats it, and He says, Be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. So notice, obey God, so that you may enjoy long life, that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly. In other words, we obey God because in obeying God, we receive blessings from God. 
Now, I want to immediately add that this does not mean we receive anything that we want from God as long as we have in our faith. That is not what it is teaching. But what Moses is meaning here is that because God is the one who made and created this world, he knows that as human beings, how we are supposed to act and behave and live in God's world. God's laws and God's commands are based upon how he has made this world. And if we lived according to how he has designed this world to be, then we receive God's blessing. A quick, simple example. Imagine, you know, you receive a Lego set for a Christmas gift. I'm pretty sure some of you have received that. Imagine you open a Lego box, you pour all the different bags of, you know, the Lego um, inside it. And then that's it. What is missing? The instruction manual. Yeah. Exactly. So you check the box, trying to find out, you know, making sure that you didn't miss anything, but, you know, the manual isn't there. So what do you think will happen if you start building the Lego set by just looking at the picture outside when you don't have a manual to follow? Well, it won't be perfect, is it? It might take a long time for you to do it, and even when you finish building it, it might not look the same as how the designers intended it may be your own design, it won't be the original designer's intent. But if we have the instruction manual, we build this set according to what the manual says, what the end product is that well, we have something that the designer's intended, isn't it? And if this world is designed and created by God, well, then he knows how this world is supposed to look like and how human beings are supposed to behave in this world. That means the commands of God that he gives us are for our own good. And here you can fill out in your sermon outline, God designed this world, therefore his commands are for our good. When he asks us to obey him, to follow his commands, it is not just because God wants us to suffer or to have a miserable life. These commands are for for our own good and brings us blessings. Right? Think, think about it very quickly. God calls us to be kind to one another. He calls us to be merciful to one another, to forgive one another, to have um, generosity to one another. And imagine if everyone obeyed these commands and everyone is kind, merciful, forgiving, generous, that will be a fantastic community to be a part of, isn't it? That will be a wonderful blessing. And that's what church is meant to be, isn't it? A fantastic community of believers in which we all love, support, encourage one another. And when we obey God in that way, He brings us blessings, the blessings of being part of this kind of community. It is for our good. It makes sense in a world that God has made. So God's commands are never arbitrary, never is not. He made it just because it feels like it. It makes sense in his world. And it's important that I mention this because sometimes, you know, churches and parents, they don't take the time to explain God's commands to their children. Right? They would just tend to say, you know what, the Bible says that we obey it and that's it. They couldn't be bothered to explain what that means. Well, on the one hand, yes, that's true. Yes, understanding is not required, only obedience. 
If God says it, well, yeah, of course we have to obey it. But obedience comes easier and lasts longer if we can understand God's heart and intention behind those commands. And it's not just for us. It's not just for the children. It's for all of us. Take the time to understand why God commanded what He commands. And take the time to explain that to the children around us to find out the reasoning behind God's commands. And if you find that actually, I don't actually know it. Well, be honest with the children around us. You can tell them, you know what, actually, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm sure God has very good reasons to to ask us to do that. You know what, let me find out the answer to that and let me get back to you and tell you more next time. God gives us this command because it is good for us. He did not come up with these commands just because it feels like giving us some random things to do. He designed this world and therefore His commands are for our own good. We obey God because He brings us blessings. That is our first point. Let's come to our second point. Verses 4 to 9. Verses 4 to 9. We love God together because we are blessed. Verses 4 to 9. So in these verses, Moses calls for the attention of all of Israel. Hear, O Israel. Right, listen, everybody. Pay attention. Pay attention. Listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you are to be on your hearts. In other words, love God with all your being, with all that you have in you. You have to love God totally and completely. You should not love anything else in all of creation above God as much as you love God. And you keep all of God's commands in your own heart. So first one, we obey God. Second point, the command is for us to love God completely and totally. And notice that this is not just for the adults. Look at verse 7. Impress them on your children. And as parents, we are called to impress these commands of God to our children. Now, we can read this and we think uh, that only applies to those of us who are parents here. But remember that this is Moses speaking to the whole Israelites community. And so when he says, impress them on your children, he's not talking about individual families. He's talking about the whole community of believers. Impress them on your children together. And in our society, we have this idea of the core family, your parents and their children, and then there's everybody else. That's, in some sense, a very modern-day thinking. That was not what Moses had in mind. He was thinking about the whole community of believers together. So in other words, it is the responsibility and calling of every adult in church to impress the call, of, the call to love God on all our children here at church. All of us. Now, of course, parents naturally have a more direct responsibility than others, yes? But this is for all of us. And here you can fill out the blanks in your outline. Parents are to teach and model God's love to their children, together with the rest of the community of believers. Parents are to teach and model God's love to their children, together with the rest of the community of believers. So as parents... Your most important responsibility as a parent 
is to teach and model God's love to your children. Your most important responsibility is not their health. It is not their education. It is not their sports. It is not how well they do in music. Now, those, again, those things are important things. But none of them are as important as you teaching and modeling the love of God to them. And that's why there's such an emphasis on parents teaching all of God's commands to their children and telling them about God's love for them within the context of the community of believers together. And whether we like it or not, our lives and our identities, they're hugely affected and influenced by our family and our upbringing. Now let me give you an example that the kids may uh, be aware of and may know. This is from a movie called The Descendants. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that, and I'm sure kids in the audience, they will know. This movie tells of the story of four children of the villains of the classic Disney cartoons, right? Because these four children, because they've grown up with their evil parents, all that they have known are evil ways. But throughout the story, they are invited to live in the kingdom of the good guys, so they go there, at first they feel a little bit awkward because they're not used to this, but they begin to change because they're influenced and impacted by the people around them, by their new family. You see, the people, especially our family, impacts who we are and how we live. And that is why it's important for parents to teach and model God's love to our children, together with the church family. And one of the ways that can be done is through the practice of family devotion, of opening up God's Word, reading it together, discussing it, and praying together as a family. So let me ask you fathers, how many of you are leading your family and your children in doing that, to do family devotions? Mothers, how many of you are doing that or helping your husbands to do that? And how about those of you who may not have kids, those of you who may be grandparents, how often are you praying for the children around you? How often are you encouraging them in the Lord? If you're not already doing all these things, well, tomorrow is the start of a new year. It's never too late to start. And we want to love God together as a family because we, well, we know the blessing of God in our lives. We want to share that with our children as well. Do we not want that for our children? And let me read the rest of verses 7 and nine, to 9. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Basically, you impress the love of God and His commands on our children at all times. It's not something that we do once a week here when we send our kids to Subi Church, to Subi Kids. This is something we do all the time as part of our daily living as a family and as a church family. In other words, we want to have and foster a culture of discipleship, 
where everyone in the church is encouraging and discipling one another all the time to love God more and more, no matter who you are. No matter who you are. If you're a young person, you know you can be immensely encouraging to the adults around you by the way you serve God, by the way you pray, by the way that you learn more about God. If you're an adult here, you can be immensely encouraging to the children by praying for them, encouraging them, talking to them about who God is. We are all here to help one another grow, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. We love God together because we are blessed. We are blessed. Let's go to our last point. This will be a short one. Point number three, we remember God when we are blessed. We remember God when we are blessed. Verses 10 to 12. One of the things that we human beings, we do so easily, is that we forget God when things are going well, when we are blessed, isn't it? When our lives are going well, when things are going well, when we are experiencing God's blessing, we tend to forget and ignore God. That's why Moses had to remind the Israelites that, you know, when God bring them into this promised land and they receive all these blessings that they, they did not accomplish or achieve themselves, be careful that they don't forget the Lord, who's the one who brought them out of slavery in Egypt. Remember God and what He has done for you. It is the same reminder for us today because we are so incredibly blessed today, so incredibly blessed. We are recipients of so much blessing in our world that well, we did not accomplish ourselves. And the temptation for us is to start thinking that we are the ones responsible for all these blessings. But here, the command is, don't forget God. Remember God. And one of the greatest blessings that God gives us, that many of us, sometimes we just don't think much about that, one of the greatest blessings is to be born into a family that knows and loves Christ. And for someone who has grown up in a Christian family, it is easy to forget all the blessings that come with it. Because, you know, we've lived it all through our lives. But let me try to list some of these blessings. Well, the first one is the blessing of prayer. Throughout your life, even before you were born, your parents would have prayed for you you would have grown up in a household of prayer. Well, the second blessing is the blessing of being taught and having God's Word read to you from your parents. You would have known the Word of God since young because, you know, your parents read that to you. The third is the blessing of knowing the Gospel message since young, that Christ died for our sins, that we need forgiveness in our lives. And like what Deb mentioned right at the start, she had the blessing of learning the Apostles' Creed, of knowing who God is. The fourth blessing is the blessing of being surrounded by a loving community of believers who have supported, encouraged, prayed, grown up together with you. And the fifth blessing is being surrounded by mature godly Christians who will be great examples of Christ-likeness in your lives. And there are more. I've stopped at five. All these are incredible blessings. I did not grow up in a Christian family, so I never knew these Christian blessings growing up. Now, there are other blessings that I received from God. I praise God for that. 
but these five blessings are so precious to me now that I am a parent. I try to remember that. It is a blessing. But this also means that it is entirely possible that, you know, we may not even realize when we started becoming a follower of Christ. Because that's all you have known since young. Which means that, that you may have a boring testimony. Well, how did you know Christ? Why, you grew up in a Christian family, went to church every week with a loving community that supported you, your family, and known God since young. Well, a boring testimony is a sign of God's blessing in your life. Do not forget that. It is fantastic to have a boring testimony because it shows that God has been incredibly good to you in your life. It is a sign of a blessed home. And therefore, part of our responsibility as parents and adults in the life of the children is to remind them, and to be honest, to remind ourselves about God's grace, about God's blessing in our lives. We remember God when we are blessed, just like how Moses called the Israelites to remember God as they enter the promised land. Be careful that we do not forget the goodness of God even as we enjoy all the blessings of God. Let me come to the end. Above all else, we need to ask this question. We need to ask this one question. Why should we do all these things? Why do we obey God? Why do we love God? Why do we remember God? Verse 20, let me read that. In the future, when your son or when your children ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and, the, uh, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Great question to ask. And kids, if you're here, don't be afraid of asking questions to your mom and dad. These are good questions to ask because it shows that you're thinking about these things and you are trying to work these things out. This is fantastic. Ask good questions. And so parents, adults, how do we answer that question when our children ask us this question? Let's look at the answer. Let's look at your outline. Let me read the rest of chapter 6. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from here, from there to bring us in, and to give us the land he promised on all to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So the commands of God are given to them because God rescued them out of slavery from Egypt. It is the same for us. So what is our answer? I was a terrible sinner, but grew up brought me out of my sin with a mighty power in Jesus Christ. I was lost, but God sent Christians into my life to tell me about the great message of the gospel. And through the death and resurrection of Christ, God brought me into His kingdom and gave me the blessing of being part of this wonderful church. And so now as His people, as God's Son, He commands me to obey all these things because I know it is for my own good. It is for my own blessing. 
And ultimately, it is because I love the God who has loved me and saved me from my sins. And so ultimately, as you can see in the last sentence in your outline, we do all these things because God has saved us in Christ. The Israelites were called to obey God because God has rescued them out of slavery in Egypt. And so we do all these things today. We obey God, we remember God, we love God because he has saved us in Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the salvation we have in Christ. We thank you that now we are called into the family of God and now we are so incredibly blessed that we can know you as our Heavenly Father. And help us never to take that for granted. Help us to always marvel at your grace and remember, remember who you are and what you have done, even in good times, even in times of such amazing blessing. And so we thank you, Father, that we can come together as your people this week to celebrate, to worship, and to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that we do and practice as a church is to celebrate the Lord's Supper every single week as a church family. And now with the children with us, it is always a good opportunity to explain what the Lord's Supper means. You know, another good question to ask, what is the meaning of the Lord's Supper? And how do we answer that? We are sinners saved by grace in Jesus. And because we are often forgetful people, Jesus started this practice for us to remember Him and to receive grace from Him. Celebrating the Lord's Supper means we remember Jesus Christ dying for us on a cross, raising up from the dead to save us. The bread is His body given to us on a cross. The cup is the blood of Christ that covers our sins. And so today, when we come to take the bread and drink the cup, we are saying to ourselves, we are saying to the people around us, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And so parents, if this is something that you have explained and talked to your kids about, let me invite the kids to come forward as well to partake of the Lord's Supper. But if you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, we ask that you remain seated. Please don't feel pressure to come and take. But as always, our hope and our prayer is that you come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and as your Savior. Let me say a quick prayer. Father, we thank you for Jesus, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And right now, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, give us grace. Give us grace as we remember Jesus, his body given to us and his blood shed for us. In his name we pray.